stories of the week have nothing to do with impeachment, but you're not hearing about them except here. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. And I would like to say Merry Christmas. I am absolutely in the Christmas spirit. My producer Binkley is here. Binkley, Merry Christmas to you. Merry impeachment is what the Democrats say. <laughs> Didn't uh, George, who's the Kellyanne Conway, George Conway, George Conway. he uh, tagged it. What did he say? Impotus. Oh. Like instead of POTUS, he calls him Impotus. Yeah. Because the most important person in D.C., Next to Trump himself, who is actually next to Trump, wants her husband mouthing off on Twitter. Got to be a lot of relationship tension <laughs> or something going on there. I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're into it somehow. <laughs> anyway, so uh, there there's been a lot of impeachment news. Of course, I don't think that I, what I think is happening is it's really being used we can get into whether it's intentionally being used or not but it's being used as a distraction as a kind of smoke and mirrors for policy that people should be talking about and when i saw all the stuff that came down this week that trump would have made a stink about and had made stinks about previously he just the there was only one thing he even threatened to veto. And this is a guy who was just impeached on extremely nebulous, vague grounds on 100 percent on party lines. He could have at least stood his ground on some of this stuff like the wall funding for the wall stayed exactly what it has had been before. And last year there was a knockdown drag out over it. But this year, you know, just when you would think he would. I mean, especially given his personality, get away with being able to just say, hey, you know what? This is how you want to play. I can play. I can play hardball. Totally fine. But the only thing he said that he would veto so bizarre is that the Democrats passed a bill to suspend the salt deduction cap. So there's a a state and local tax deduction because... If you're paying taxes, you don't want to pay taxes on money you never even got. So it's a really weird provision of the tax bill that Trump passed. And the Republicans, for whatever reason, I don't know, are going uh, falling on their swords for it, saying it's not right to subsidize New York and California. They're the ones who uh, are they're getting like a tax break because their state taxes are so high. But that is such an upside down way of approaching this because... The New York and California use that money for their inflated social services stuff. And if they can't pay for it themselves, they will. They have the legislative power and now they have a reason. They're going to push it up to the federal level. I hate this one. And that's the only thing he said he would veto. That yet there is the the spending bill. There's 12 huge spending bills that usually there's some wrangling over. That's what shuts down the government. They all got passed. I, I don't know if he signed them yet, but he's definitely going to sign them. And and there's funny stuff in there. It's one point four trillion dollars of spending. It's resulting in a trillion dollar deficit. So 
Uh, a lot of the so the federal government takes in money, and a lot of that goes to mandated programs, mandatory programs, Social Security, whatever, that you don't vote on every year. And there's interest on debt. You don't vote on that either. You just vote on the discretionary stuff. And it's so inflated now, it's almost 100% deficit spending. We have a, a deficit, a debt now that's over $23 trillion. It's well over the GDP. It's over, and that like an oh, greater than one hundred percent GDP debt to GDP ratio is outrageous in peacetime, and just layer that into the fact that we are the richest society that ever existed. Why are we borrowing from the future? It makes no sense, and I don't believe that it's going to resolve itself within the system we have now. And what I actually think, I see it from all different directions. I fear that this these are the last days of the American experiment from a couple of different directions. The debt could bankrupt the system. The way they're approaching from the impeachment to the electoral college to maybe federalizing the elections. There's over $400 million in one of these spending bills for election security that's getting pushed to the states we don't know exactly what's going to be used for it's discretionary on their part but that may come with strings attached over time i don't know but i just feel like the elections themselves the way the democracy is shaken out the uh the the way bill barr the attorney general is kind of getting into pre-crime and thought policing the way they're using public private relationships to get around the the bill of rights like through censorship on social media which Binkley I think you have some clips that will demonstrate to people that they knowingly people behind the scenes are are strategizing on how to nudge these big companies to to do things that the government couldn't pass laws to do because it would be it would violate the first amendment so I want to get to some of those clips but I feel like from all different directions, oh, and the the biggest threat to our system by far, in my opinion, is this USMCA, which I want to get to in the five o'clock hour, really want to lay out all the things that, and I can even direct you to just a few of the chapters that you can read to understand what I'm worried about. I'll actually tell you right now, I would read if I, if you want to read it, it's just the, the chapters aren't very long. Think off the top of my head. It's 19, 27, 30 and 32 of the USMCA. People want to understand the USMCA. It won't take you long to read those four chapters, 19, 27, 30 and 32. And, uh, and you can see that th- these are, this is an instrument to, make a template for kind of a global system that other countries and regions can just plug into. So I really feel like there's a major threat to kind of our system and it's coming from all different directions right now. And that uh, the, the debt is, is such a tell for me that people aren't really caring about it. And why? I mean, we're, you know, it will never, we'll have to, something terrible will happen or something different will happen to get us out of that. It's just not going to resolve in the system that we have right now. So 
So I think there's a lot of policy stuff going. I think that fundamental transformation of this country may happen yet. Obama promised it. Trump said he would stop it. But I think Trump is ushering it in knowingly or unknowingly by providing this level of like tabloid entertainment. I mean, the impeachment is basically feeding him lines. It's just giving him material so that I just can't even imagine another personality who could dominate the news day after day, year after year without the the fundamentals of real paradigm shifting policy ever being discussed. I mean, this week was a blockbuster of major policy and I want to get into it. But I also, even though I think that the impeachment may well have been generated as a distraction from all this stuff and was not emerging organically because people like AOC were pounding the table for it and her followers. But just because it's, it isn't organic doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It does matter. And it, and it will have implications. It does matter how it unfolds. I feel like, so the big news was that Trump was impeached this week. Just a couple of hours short of what would have been the anniversary of Clinton's impeachment. Now, Clinton was acquitted by the middle of February. I do not see that happening here because, for one thing, Pelosi will not forward the articles of impeachment to the Senate until she understands what's how they're going to do it. But even once it gets there, instead of the Senate, the Republicans, they are just putting it to rest like they should, just squaring it away. They will probably go <laughs> through trying to turn the tables on the Democrats by making it a Biden witch hunt, which they will not do in a in a uh, a sober, methodical way because there's so much there on Biden. I mean, he could go to jail, in my opinion. They'll make it ambiguous and witch hunty and maybe it'll backfire. I mean, I would not put it past the Republicans to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I just can't. I, I mean, they could do it. But it could be the Democrats who are trying to do that, who kind of want to lose on purpose so that they can keep using Trump to mask things that they might have to otherwise take responsibility for, like an economic crash or a war or this Green New Deal. I mean, Trump's going to bring infrastructure in his next term. You wait and see. And it's not going to be pretty. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen that the Democrats want to happen, and maybe they'll play the old Republican game of being number two so they can vote the way their constituents want it, but still deliver to their cronies or the globalists like this USMCA, for example. But so, Binkley, I wanted to ask you a question that when I see this impeachment thing, I think it's for some purpose. I think it's intentional. I think it gets our our it's distracting. Is that what you called propaganda of the deed, if I'm right, about what this is? What is or what is propaganda of the deed? It's a somewhat. Thing, yeah. Right? Propaganda of the deed is an overt act that so you stage an act that has a major impact on the public that causes them to their opinion to shift one way or, or another for the need. Oh, of something. OK. Yeah, to so demand it's actually- something. To change the opinion. So like an a assassination. false flag would be more. Yes. Right. Is that right? A false flag would be more of propaganda of the deed. OK, so I saw there was a bunch of MS-13 arrests in New York, and I figured whether it's good or bad, whatever, they 
Bill Barr would use that to justify Project Guardian, where yeah. he wants to kind of he talked about terrorism being the template. I think also the drug war is a template for them to justify taking away our rights. So that would be more like it. OK, very interesting. But in any case, I do think that the impeachment certainly is intended to serve a purpose other than really getting Trump out of office. I'd like to open this up to calls. Like, do do you think that this will backfire on the Democrats? I mean, I know that's a question everybody is speculating about, but I, I am curious to know if anyone is really worried about it, because sometimes it's like when I thought Hillary was going to win. You just something that seems so obvious to you can't often that's the they're kind of one step ahead of you that way so if you think what do you think is it is it uh gonna backfire or not 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB talk this is monica perez monica perez bring big drama show let's go let's do it on 95.5 wsb atlantis news and talk We are back. I'm going to go straight to some calls. And uh, Mark in Rome, want to talk about Pelosi holding on to those articles of of confederation, of impeachment. Hey, Mark, you're on. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, you had asked uh, thoughts about why the Democrats are holding the articles. I think it's real easy. I think, you know, a sports analogy when you've lost, you know, if you're down three touchdowns with 30 seconds left in the game, you've lost. You can't lose further. So you might as well take cheap, cheap shots. On another analogy, if you play poker and you've got a losing hand, you know you've lost. You're dead. You're gone. You're, you're out. You wait until the, uh, the other person plays their hand. So the Democrats are just waiting. Just wait as long as you can. Wait until, uh, you know, the Republicans say something crazy, make a misstep, do something stupid. And they can cry foul, and so it's just a it's just a game. It's you just but, wait and wait and wait. But when you lost, you can't lose further. Why on earth would Trump have just accepted all of this policy this week? Like that thing, he did. He could have put his foot down. I mean, he could have fought fire with fire, but he accepted it all. It's weird. What do you think mm, about that? Well, <laughs> yeah. well he's a. Uh, I read uh, Bill O'Reilly's book on Trump, and I think one of the things is Trump can wait as long as he needs to wait. He's going to, you know, he will he will go as low as he has to go. He He's always going to hit lower. He's always going to go harder. So, I, you know, he can show frustration. That's fine. He can say stupid things. But at the end of the day, you know, he, he's going to fight. He's going to he's going to do what he has to do to win. So, it, you know. I think he's somewhat unpredictable, but again, but again, his his unpredictability is what's predictable. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe. I was thinking that perhaps he um, should uh, fight that fight about the wall funding, which he he fought so hard last week, last year. But this year, he just the funding stayed the same at like one point four billion. I just want would have liked to have seen him. Fight fire with fire this time around. Yeah. You know, but that's all right. So, okay, I'm going to well, take... Yeah. He's definitely got enough battles to uh, to fight. I, I think he, uh, you know, it just depends on which one he wants to fight on what day. Um, so, you yeah, know, maybe, or at what moment, rather. Maybe he's crazy like a fox and he's got some <laughs> some tricks up his sleeve. All right, Mark, well, oh, keep calling. He, you, yeah, he, he does it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So... 
Binkley, I have a question for you. What's that? Do you think that this is, I mean, really, truly in your heart of hearts, do you think that this is going to, who's going to be president on February 1st, 2021? Who will be the president of the United States? I think Trump will, but I would not put it outside the realm of possibility for President Nancy Pelosi, who is currently holding her articles of impeachment closely to her chest to be. How does that go? They'll get Pence out of there some way, same way they did with. But uh, like with Nixon, they took out Spiro Agnew, which people thought was caught up. He was caught up in the Watergate thing. He completely wasn't. They they just. So, Mark, yeah. But that didn't go to the Speaker of the House. That then they re you know appointed Gerald Ford and anyway. So Trump is my pick though. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, so. John, David, Jack, we're going to get some more feedback on whether this impeachment thing will work or not. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at 95.5 WSB. Monica Perez. They think they control the galaxy. I disagree. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6, right here on 95.5 WSB. And the true threats to our liberty this week actually do include what's a very sketchy impeachment process. I think that it's contrived. I think it's very political. And I don't mean that like partisan politics. I think it's it's a distraction at this level of the 3D chessboard so that what they're all colluding, conspiring to bring down crazy policy, policy that should be really vetted in the public forum. And instead, it's masked by this this fog. But there were a couple of items that I noticed as I was reading the news this week that pointed out to me how contrived this impeachment stuff really was or how pick and choosy it is for both the media and the politicians to go after Trump for for this really ambiguous at best phone call that revealed what may or may not have been malfeasance under it all. But let me just tell you two little stories. Uh, And you know what, Binkley? How you doing? I'm hanging in there. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe if there's a tweet or whatever, we can, if people want to tweet at me at Monica Perez show, we can hit some tweets a little bit later. And uh, I want to also wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And if you like me, love to have some really super delicious cocktails. I am uh, looking forward to that. I have a blog. Um, I'm not like promoting it. It doesn't, make me any money but it's monicamixes.com and i have so many delicious christmas cocktails that i've been personally taste testing to so you know they're good i mean just to inject a little of the season here because the stuff you know they jam all the stuff at the end of the year it's very un uh i feel like it's completely out of the holiday spirit it's the opposite of the holiday spirit to use this our joy and diversions from the material world against us. You think the left and right are getting together behind the scenes having a holiday party? Well, you know, uh, Trump had that congressional ball last week. He did not seem like a stressed out guy. <laughs> I mean, there was like, there is, it was, it reminded me so much of the, when, uh, 
behind the scenes of like the NBA All-Star game, John McCain and Spike Lee were yucking it up like right after the election. I was like, what? So, yeah, I don't think it's it's as bad as it feels. But there were two stories that I thought were interesting. One was and and the way the media covers it. The Wall Street Journal wrote an article this week that said uh, Guatemala is set to finalize deal with the U.S. to accept Mexican asylum seekers. And by the way, that deal includes us building facilities there that I don't that Trump also, I think, got some facilities built in California. I wonder if all this stuff is about the prison industrial complex. But anyway, and cronyism. But let me just read you. It says U.S. officials began asking their Guatemalan counterparts to consider accepting Mexican migrants. Uh But the Guatemalan government initially resisted the request. Its stance changed after Mr. Trump and Mr. Morales met in Washington. That was the story from this week. But I knew that wasn't the truth. So I went back and I found a Reuters story from not very long ago. U.S. immigration aid restored to Central America after reaching migration deals. And it says the U.S. restored economic aid to El Salvador, Guacamole, Guatemala, and Honduras that had been cut off after the Trump administration complained that the, the three Central American countries had done too little to halt a surge in migration. So they cut off aid to get them to sign on to these treaties. And when they signed on, the aid was restored. It had nothing to do with Trump negotiating. It wasn't in his power. This is a quid pro quo in completely in the service of the United States. Whether you like it or not, that's how it works. That's how, that's how it did work. Nobody's talking about that. There was another thing in the news that this one MDB Malaysian fund that was the subject of a lot of malfeasance and money moving around, it actually got the president of Malaysia ousted, whether he was guilty in it or not, not 100% sure, but it caught my eye because it reminded me of the kind of thing that I, I feel like I uncovered a little bit with Ukraine in that they, the U.S. government and George Soros in some cases go after corrupt officials in other countries, and I would say exclusively corrupt officials that just aren't on their side. The corrupt officials who are on their side get away with whatever, murder included. And I noticed that the U.S. was negotiating with Goldman Sachs, who was part of the deal, part of the fraud, I think, or at least a couple of their workers were, were, uh, a $2 billion fine. And I'm looking everywhere to see, does the United States government keep the $2 billion fine from Goldman for something that had nothing to do with them? I don't know. But as I dug in, I saw that one of the masterminds, this Joe Lowe guy of the Malaysian thing, he and uh, this uh, Haitian-American rapper from the Fugees were uh, the Fugees guy, Praz, I think his name was, was brought up on charges for the two of them getting together to funnel $20 million through like 25 different entities into the Obama reelection campaign fund in 2012. And that's like in and there's pictures of Praz with Obama. So and part of the deal was that they wanted to have access to the president. And I just look at that and I think, isn't that election interference by foreign entities? Like, I don't understand why one thing gets this level of scrutiny and that the media like the Wall Street Journal. I want I want them to bring this stuff out. I want if you were going to have partisan news outlets, let at least represent both sides that's why I think this stuff is going on on a level above partisanship and it's really in service of globalism. And that is what I think we're getting right now. Globalism, bankruptcy, and uh, a loss of sovereignty and a loss of our rights and protections. And all the things that happened this week point to that 
in my opinion. So I'm going to get to the policies that passed this week. First, I want to get some more calls. I'm going to go to Brandon. Brandon, you sorry, I know you've been on hold. So if, if, if that's the radio on, I'll give you a second to turn it off. But hey, Brandon, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica, how's it going? Good. How are you? Um, lovely. And I just want to say that I'm, um, I agree with everything you said so far today. I think you're nailing it. Your instincts are right on and you should always trust them. Thank um, you so much. And so what do you think? You I, think that this is going to backfire or what? I think I, okay, logically deducing this and I was talking to a friend of mine and he's a Trump supporter and I just had to say to him, I'm like, okay, you're so upset. But the left isn't that stupid. They're, they don't have these people that go to Ivy League schools that study for years and years all this psychology. They know how bad it looks. I really think that they would prefer a Trump presidency because you're right. They get more stuff done. <laughs> yeah, and they don't have to own it. And it, it seems inevitable to me there's going to be a big crash and that yes. they would like to put that on the feet of somebody who says he doesn't want globalization or is a Republican or is a conservative because whoever's left holding that bag is going to have some explaining to do. And they can everybody thinks that his trade policies are crazy or whatever, you know, even though this USMCA thing is an absolute continuation of previous <laughs> trade deals and contains literally word-for-word verbatim, 57% of the words in it are from, directly lifted from the TPP. I want to talk about that at the 5 o'clock hour. What else you got, Brandon? I'll give you another minute. Um, Okay, I think we could talk about something you talked about before, and that's really guns. And I think the reason that they're going after this and they're playing this game with Trump and and the reason people power play these games is because we're the last armed nation. So they can't just outrightly come after us and they can't come after the whole world because of that. You know, like you said before, I heard you say how we're the linchpin, basically. So I feel that this is the way they do it. They use this Fabian socialism and they're cooking us there to a point where, you know, maybe 20, 50, 100 years, we're just going to hand over our guns. I told, I don't think it's going to take that long. It might happen. No, I don't by think the so end of, Yeah, of, by the end of Trump's second term. There was an article today on Fox News that said New Zealand, this is the headline, I'm reading it right to you, New Zealand collects more than 50,000 guns after assault weapons ban following the shooting at the mosque. So Yeah, and you can't talk about that at all. There's a guy named Vinny Eastwood. He talks about stuff like that online. You can check him out on YouTube. And he's had police come to his house because he talked about how the The guy in New Zealand. That guy is in New Zealand, right? I saw his video. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, and I also just want to say um, before I had to go, I have my website. I think you'd find funny. It's called morelawsmoreproblems.com. Cute. All <laughs> right. Been... I like it. Tweet it at me so I can retweet it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And All I've right. been writing out it before right. I was even. What? Sorry. <laughs> I lost oh. you, Brandon. Yeah, there you are. Yes. Um, okay. No, do that to me and I will do at Monica Perez show and I'll retweet it immediately. Thank you very much. And uh, keep All calling, right. Brandon. So we did want to talk about this New Zealand Zealand thing for a second. People think that. I, you go back to Rahm Emanuel. He says, never let a good crisis go to waste. So, and what he means by that, he goes on to say is if there's a crisis, get a policy passed that you could not otherwise get passed. As Brandon points out, there's a, these guys are Ivy Leaguers, think tankers. They're, they're not stupid. They're, they don't, they aren't our kind of people a lot of times, but they're not stupid. And, and a lot, and many of them, like the collectivist type, the Marxist type, 
believe that the ends justify the means. So if you don't get the crisis you need when you need it, why not create that crisis? Now, that goes back to the propaganda of the deed, Bankley, that we were talking about earlier. So I feel like I don't know what happened with that New Zealand mosque thing. The story was very sketchy, but they took a country that was a real poster child for very loose gun laws and very low gun violence. It's like Vermont. I fear for Vermont. I fear like Vermont's going to be all of a sudden have some crazy thing that because they're liberal up there and they might capitulate immediately like they did in New Zealand, but they went and they took 50,000 guns away in New Zealand. And if that's, and I, I do believe that we are the kind of last stand and, uh, and we just need to be a little more curious about the details of some of these events so that you know whether the policies they're proposing actually address the causes of these events. Because it's like Iraq, we invaded Iraq because Saudi Arabia did 9-11, or Saudi Arabians did 9-11. But it made no sense at all. It was just an event that freaked people out, and then a policy was implemented that had nothing to do with it, a pre-existing agenda item, by the way. So uh, I would just recommend skepticism. I want to keep taking calls. Um, John and David, I will get to you. Let me take this break first, and then we'll have some time to have uh, continue our conversation. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Straight to the phones. I'm going to David. Thank you so much for hanging on, David. You are on with Monica. Monica, always a pleasure. I enjoy always listening to you. Um... Thank you and all that. Merry Christmas to you. Um, I thought about what you were asking, whether it's going to hurt the Democrats. It sure is, it sure is not going to help. Yeah. <laughs> Just Do because tell. of the simple fact. Well, like me personally, I, I lean toward more of Republican as far as policies, lower taxes, generates more revenue, da, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not into people getting handouts. But anyway, the whole point, I think it's going to blow up in their face. And I, I kind of hope it does, just because maybe the maybe these liberals, some of these liberals that are so far left, can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak. I, I hope it does. Just Let me ask you a question. Policy. Are you yes, a ma'am. hardcore Trump supporter, or are you just happy he's not Hillary? Not hardcore, no. But he's done a heck of a job, in my opinion. Everything yeah. he said he has done... He's trying to do. He's got most of it done, but he's got a Democratic House that's not helping him. Uh, you know, and, and I've had discussions like my girlfriend now. We've talked. We talk. We don't get upset. Do you have liberals, these left-wing liberals that are getting totally upset over policies that where he's trying to help the country and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And I'm sorry. He's done a heck of a job, whether you like him or not. He's not there to be liked. He's there to run a country. He's there to do the boys best for the country. I don't even think that he is – I don't even think it's the policies that they don't like. I think it's just him and what he stands for, and they don't like it. They feel like it's a, it's an ominous sign for the direction of this country. I don't think so. I think we're getting the globalism. I agree that, that the country seems to be in good shape, but I don't, uh, I don't like where it's headed still with the debt and the deficits and the 
globalist trade agreement uh, that I do am going to get to. But let me get what may be an, a different point of view from John. John in Jonesboro. Hi, John. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Merry Christmas. You too. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I disagree. I, I do think he's bad for the country. Um, I don't think he represents the country well as far as everyone as a whole. I don't think he's gained one fan at all. Um, Do you think that the people want him impeached? Do you think that this will backfire on the Democrats or not? Well, I, I think well, I, I think Democrats want him impeached. I don't think the majority of the country pays attention anyway, but I think the voting Democrats do want him impeached. But why do they want him impeached? I mean, they would have wanted him impeached whatever he did, even if I it think, was just policy. I, well, I, I think he's just broken so many laws and he's just been given a pass because he's not a politician. Like, you know, a, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they all do break a lot of laws. But what laws right, do you think are the most Obama, egregious? If he, if, if he was Obama, the, the Republicans would be standing on their head, literally. But if what do a, you think are the real he, laws that he broke? Because I'm not crazy about the grounds for impeachment, but name like two or three laws you believe he has I think, broken. I think the interview with... Um, Zelensky? Uh, no, Russell... Um, I mean, what's the guy's name? Uh, the black guy from NBC. I don't Been know. Binkley, do you watch NBC? But, but when he said, when he admitted that he fired Comey, because he was being investigated. I thought, I mean, I thought he crossed the line there. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, that might know, have been worthy of investigation. I, I, I think his two-hour private meeting with Putin is definitely an issue. And I also believe that he is the biggest national security threat that we have once he's out of office. His mouth is just too big. <laughs> and, and once he's out of office, he will be a national security threat to the, to, to the Secret Service, the FBI, CIA, and everybody. Well, you never know about that, but they have a way of taking care of keeping people's mouths shut. I don't know what it is. Maybe they show them the Zapruder film. I'm not sure. But I'll never forget, though, Obama told the president of Russia that after the election, he would be able to play ball. So I think maybe it could go both ways, and it didn't. It could. So it could. So uh, anyway, stay tuned. More after the break. I'm going to get to the meat of the policy from this week. This is Monica Perez. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. And the true threats to our liberty this week have really a lot less to do with impeachment than the policies that have come down really without any kind of public debate, without any resistance from either side. The bipartisanship has been staggering, and that is not a good thing, despite what people might tell you. I, I'm going to get to some more calls, and uh, but I just want to cover a few policy tidbits first. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK if you want to call. So, Binkley, Hello. Hi. How are you? My Fantastic. Here. Uh, 
there was such a funny tweet. You have to read that tweet to me if you can, if you know which one I'm talking about. I do know which one you're talking about, and I'm pulling it up at the it's moment. It's from Tim of the Tunnels. Sir Tim of the Tunnels. Yeah. He um, he tweeted. It was. It really has to do with the USMCA more. And I had tweeted that the TPP, which everybody Trump was like, "This is unfixable. We can't use that." It lifts fifty-seven percent of the actual text from the TPP to the USMCA, and and like ninety-five percent of the chapters are the are on the same wavelength, the same t- heading. Seventy-two percent of the articles within those chapters are the same basic policy, but but more than half of it is actually the same words. So I tweeted that out, and I just loved Tim's response, which was what. I'm having a hard time finding it. Oh, okay. It's I got it right here. It says they might as well have given the, the have the TPP show up with nose glasses. <laughs> so like it wasn't even. You know, I just have this image like a Groucho Marx thing. Like you can't tell it's me because I'm wearing these nose glasses, but clearly it is definitely the same thing. And uh, and there's not there there's no putting lipstick on that pig let's just take it one step further but uh but the but let's just talk about some of these policy issues i want to get to the usmca at five o'clock and but one of the big ones is the ndaa the national defense authorization act which i i pretty much always have a problem with it it's always full of bad stuff i think that's where you get like the fisa court reauthorization or the surveillance stuff gets reauthorized through that a lot of times, or it used to anyway. Now they've got their own. They're they're codified ever since Edward Snowden told us, oh, by the way, the USA Patriot Act doesn't allow for this. So then we got the USA Freedom Act, which codified a lot of that stuff. I mean, this stuff is being institutionalized all the time. But the few things that were noteworthy about the NDAA, first of all, it passed the Senate 86 to 8. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? Where is the anti-war left? It is a $738 billion bill in, in uh, it provides $738 billion of military spending. And I was looking at, I always like to see how, how much military spending, like, passes the sanity test. Let's say if us and our five closest, or nine closest allies are equivalent or even double of what our 10 maybe most likely enemies spend if if us if our team spends twice as much as the other team and we're like freedom and have innovation and technology and you know all the great things that come with our system then twice should be enough the 738 billion now that's the 2019 number but compared to the 2018 there's a there's a list from the international institute for strategic studies of the top 15 defense spenders in the world in 2018 that 738 billion is more than everyone else on the list combined. So enemy, friend, whatever, of that top 15, we're number 1 and we are more than half of the of the total. So and then if you look at like 2018 to 2018 numbers, I think we're the same as like the next 10 combined and there are other studies that show this is just the NDAA. There are other elements that contribute to defense uh, spending. So our defense spending from calculations I've seen and made myself is more than everyone else in the world combined with whether we have allies or enemies or whoever side everyone else is on. We're still spending more than them. 
than they are. And there were a couple of other things in that bill. Uh, We created a U.S. Space Force as a sixth branch of the military. We uh, instituted 12 weeks of paid parental leave for federal workers, including if you're fostering. So you can have a baby, you can adopt a baby, you can foster. You only have to work there for a year. Take the 12 weeks off and then you can come back for 12 weeks. And and it was funny because it reminded me of an article I'd read maybe a while ago from the American Institute for Economic Research that said there's only three things that separate us from full bore Scandinavian style socialism, which is universal child care, paid family leave and single payer health care. And another huge policy issue that came down this week was that the Supreme Court said the mandate, the individual mandate was unconstitutional. And that means that uh, you're so what happens is the mandate means everyone has to sign up for health care. But there's another element of Obamacare that you cannot be turned down for insurance if you have a pre-existing condition. So that's why they have to have everybody sign up, because if you if you don't aren't required to sign up and you get to sign up only after you get sick, that would just bankrupt insurance companies. No one would sign up until they got sick. So there would be nobody paying the bills who isn't sick. It would just be you show up, you give the the insurance company your $1,000 premium, and they give you $100,000 worth of health care. It will bankrupt Obamacare. And then you'll have – that'll open the door to the single-payer system, which is the Trojan horse that Obamacare was meant to be. This did not get covered this week in the news, but they kind of repealed the mandate anyway. So it's happening. Uh, and then – the a couple of important things in the NDAA. One is we put sanctions against companies who are working on the Nord Stream two pipeline from Russia to Germany, getting gas from Russia to Germany, and that is none of our business. I mean, it is absolutely outrageous that we would interfere in the arms length transactions of two sovereign nations in another continent uh, under the guy that we said it's a, it's a security threat to us. Well, everything's a security. Uh, the butterfly's wings, uh, you know, a thousand miles away is a threat <laughs> to something. It's it's a cronyistic thing. It ha- it interferes with our otherwise inefficient liquefied natural gas sales over there. I think a lot of almost all of the Ukraine and Syrian stuff is about getting gas into Europe. And another big thing, the NDAA was actually a whole article in the Wall Street Journal says the NDAA is designed to take uh Assad out it's for regime change in Syria which kind of drives me crazy because if you look at Ukraine you look at Egypt you look at Malaysia all these places that we've targeted for regime change we have no business in those countries but the people we are taking out are corrupt you know so I it's like a little hard to defend them with Assad I don't think that the, the he his dad was called his father was called bloody Assad but he was putting down a Muslim Brotherhood uprising in Homs like and then we go in there, we take these countries out, and if they are locking up terrorists, we open their prisons, they come over here, and then we have to lose our rights. It's really, it's it's uh, it's not cool. Do they ever tell us who they're going to put in before they take someone out? Instead, like when they put Morsi yeah. in instead of Mubarak in Egypt, and then they had to take Morsi out and put El Sisi in, who used to work for Mubarak? That's, I mean... Any they will anybody who will do what we tell them to do, I think, is pretty much what they're looking for. Okay, which is what I think they call you're corrupt and need to be uh, de-asseted if you don't if you don't cooperate. But if you're Kolomoisky or his puppet Zelensky, then you're a freedom fighter and anything goes, (laughs) you know. 
It's a little kooky. So that's a, that covered some of the things in the in this week's policy roundup. And we can get to more after the break. I want to talk about these 12 huge, uh, 12 huge spending bills. But first, I want to get to Larry. And uh, Larry, if you're ready, I'm going to put you on the air. Larry, you yep. are on with Monica. Hi. Hi, Monica. <clears throat> I just want to say that I think the greatest threat to the United States now, without a doubt, is not China, Russia, North Korea. I think it's the Democrats. You know, the American Democratic Party is doing more damage to this country than we've ever seen before. Can I you mean, be specific? How... What? Please be specific. Tell me okay, what you well, think they're doing. That's the worst. I, I'm not defending them. I'm just I just want to get a little meat on that bone. Okay. Well, let's take a look at the the whole year they've been trying to impeach Trump from even before he uh, was elected, and which anybody could see that's the stupidest thing. Anybody could see if they do that that uh, you, you got to be nuts to think that that's correct. But are they and nuts? Then, are they stupid? Why would they do it? You know what I'm saying? I think they're a little more clever than that. They've certainly been in the driver's seat for long enough to prove that they're not nuts or stupid. I want to know what their game really is. Well, they, they want to hold on or they want to have power. I mean, look at the people that are in the Democratic Party today, like the Shifty Shift and uh, the other guy and what they've done. Adler. Uh, you know, they, they, they hide people down in the basement and you get stuff they won't even let the republicans uh question uh people that uh are really important uh like that uh, whistleblower they won't let him talk to him you know and we know that shift uh spoke to him and he says no i didn't talk to him okay and another thing i think the american people have to understand the uh, the president uh doesn't take any money for himself so when uh, when the Democrats say that uh, what he's done with uh, the Ukrainian situation is to uh, uh, make himself uh, richer, the guy don't need it, number one, and he could beat uh, anybody in the Democratic Party now, hands down. He doesn't have to do anything that's that's really screwed up, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'm not sure he's as rich as he portrays himself to be. I do think that the Democrats play a totally different game when it comes to that level of corruption. I think if anybody is corrupt in this issue with Ukraine and the impeachment and everything, it is that that the subject of the call in the first place, what was going on with Biden and Burisma. But if the if the Democrats want if you if you're right and they, what they want is to hold on to power and what they're doing is the absolute what looks to be the absolute opposite of that because they are stupid, I think, or crazy. I I don't think that makes sense. I think they are, I think they have, they're playing a game and I think they're going to get what they want. And I think they're patient. I think they are the side that started uh, the whole concept of incrementalism. Just be patient, set your goal, take it step by step. I think that they're going to get more of what they want. I, and I'm trying to put together the puzzle of how exactly that's going to work. But really where I'm at right now is that I think he Trump has been rubber stamping their stuff, certainly this week, and he will give them cover for 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 policy that is clearly against American interests, such as a war 
deficit spending, that kind of thing, uh, by making him look inexperienced or stupid or whatever. Blame the trade thing. And the, and the funniest, the most interesting tell, in my opinion, is that the trade deal that he cut is so bad, it's just an extension of the TPP, absolutely, that that and and that his opening salvo his thing that he his hook the thing that got people attached to him was that he said tpp is not fixable we're gonna redo all these trade deals and there's gonna be a new boss in town here a new regime and wall street journal is is echoing that but it's not true and now i'm beginning to fear that my worst fears of this all being kind of a bait and switch are actually coming true. So anyway, I can take some more calls after the break, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Finish up this conversation about the impeachment, although if if you want to add to the conversation about that or any of these policy issues we're talking about, Feel free to call 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And I'm going to take a call. I'm going to go to John. Hi, John. You are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How you doing this evening? Good. How are you? Oh, just fine. I'm not going to go, you know, ride everybody, the whole coattail thing about the Democrats are doing this and that. My, My question to you is, is there not an avenue? I mean, it's obvious Nancy Pelosi's abusing her power and obstructing justice by holding on to these articles. Is there not a legal avenue to force her to get, send them over or just toss them in the trash? I don't think the process for impeachment is really well laid out. I think it's not really meant to be like as ordinary a thing as they're pushing around. I feel like they were all abusing power, though. I think the whole thing was one-sided and nebulous. When well, something is totally partisan like that, you have to you really have to proceed with caution. Well, I, I mean, I can see that. She's, you know, it, it, it reminds me, the first thing that went through my mind was she was going to hold these articles until she could see what the Senate was going to do if about running a fair trial. I remember her standing up there holding a packet for Obamacare, talking about you got to vote it in before you can read what's in it. Yeah. I mean, and, that's and then of, it, when it's she, good for everybody else, but not her. And when she passed Obamacare, got it passed, took credit for getting it passed, knowing that people were going to lose their seats in the House, that the American people did not want it, she, like, no. laughed. She cackled. There's. There is absolutely nothing affordable about that. I have zero insurance right now. I had a knee replacement. I tried to get insurance. They want $1,100 a month, and i got to be out of pocket $20,000 before the insurance kicks in. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know. I mean, pre-existing conditions, they say that, but your out-of-pocket expense, I mean, it's cheaper for me to pay cash for the knee and pay the penalty on my taxes. Well, that that kind of thing to me is a way that they are going to excuse this idea that we have to have single payer health care. It's awful for me. Anyway, if it's a welfare state that you want, then just subsidize the people who can't afford their own well, their own health care. Why make everybody do the same kind? It's like, obviously, 
baloney. One thing totally off topic I wanted to update people on was this Lori Lachlan news. She uh, her her lawyers filed documents that said exactly what what I had gleaned from just reading the FBI affidavit itself, which is she was tricked by this guy, Rick Singer. She meant to give a totally legitimate uh, contribution to this foundation and that the feds were, I didn't know they were doing this, but they were withholding information to her that was exculpatory. It was clear that they weren't presenting it fairly but i didn't know they were doing that that's serious allegations so that the plot's thickening on that i want to get to those 12 spending bills right after the break and i'm going to get to the usmca at the top of the hour this is monica perez live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at 95.5 wsb monica perez and now for something completely different on 95.5 wsb atlantis news and talk I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue thinking about you. Decorations of red on a green Christmas tree won't mean a thing, dear, if you're not here with me. Ah, thank you for that lovely Willie tune. Appreciate that. It really is putting me back in the Christmas spirit. I'll tell you, the news does not put me in the Christmas spirit, but somebody has got to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Don't you think, Binkley? I think so. uh, We've got to do it. But this day, I would like to just talk about my wonderful Christmas cocktails, which call to me. They're a little weak. It's not like I'm going home and like, whatever other wheat cocktails they're kind of weak (laughs) because they're they're like full of juice and sugar and like i last night i was cooking cinnamon syrup and putting like douglas fir brandy in a i mean it's basically lemonade spiked with whatever limeade but it's very fun and you can even follow me on twitter on that at it's at mixes monica you can see all my delicious cocktails but I do spend most of my time trying to figure out what's happening in the world. And I actually do not like having to dig into the policy stuff. It's very boring. And I'm, I don't have no hope like in the world in, in, you know, for humanity or my soul or any of that. I just don't have a lot of hope that, that the two party system that we have and the policies that we put in place are really going to stop this train from kind of going in this new direction. I really feel like we are, all these different pieces are coming together to undermine our fundamental rights and protections, to undermine our national sovereignty, to to bankrupt this country. And the thing is, like, I kind of realized or concluded that even this, the American experiment, they told us, they gave us the Articles of Confederation first, then kind of swapped it out with the Constitution, which wasn't great. Then we got the Bill of Rights to kind of make up for it. But if you look at our the American experiment, it almost had the seeds of its own destruction in that Constitution because it really did lend itself to the behemoth that we have now. And I I don't feel like these little policy debates really get you anywhere. I think you have to just... If you're going to save the experiment, first thing you have to do is 
is restore the Bill of Rights generally, but the first one I would restore is the Tenth Amendment. So, which is about states' rights. So we could at least bring it back home and try to get a grip on it. But we don't. So I don't tend to spend a lot of time on the policy stuff because whether it's the the Democrat policy or the Republican policy, those are your, your options, right? And this shows you exactly what they both really want because all this stuff that came down this week was hardcore bipartisan, the NDAA, the spending bills, the USMCA. I mean, just... Everybody voted for it. Everybody votes for debt and globalism and provocations to foreign countries and war like that. They're all that's that's their they're toasting that. But they're with the spending stuff. It's happening. There's you're not turning that around. But the USMCA, we might be able to stop. So let me finish the just tell you a little bit of what was in these spending bills. And then we can talk about the USMCA. Am I going to bore you if I keep going with the, the spending bills, Finkley? No, those are fascinating spending <laughs> bills. They're, they're the most well, important things. Well, you try. This is what I think is really interesting about it is that almost everything that the federal government spends is mandatory or interest on debt anyway. So these spending bills, when you see a $1.4 trillion spending bill, it's almost entirely deficit spending. Yeah. And, I, and if you ever like dig into where money really is in the federal government, I really believe like the more you look at, you can go to websites or whatever that'll show like, oh, apply for government grants, you know, and the government grant is like how to to plantain reproduction behavior in Peru, like $50,000 to study that, you know, like yeah. the, the grants are kind of kooky. So I look at that and I think, well, the only thing that really makes sense about all of this, because frankly, we are the richest society ever and you can't, it's like, doesn't, it's not possible really for an organism or or all the organisms net to consume more than they produce like there's no this debt makes no sense at all like we can definitely get along by just consuming what we produce in real time and there's no reason to borrow from the future at all so why do we do it i think it's to actually hand over the country and the money to the bankers to the debt like the fed is the worst thing the um, there's just no reason for us to have these huge interest bills, and our interest rates are at for this far out into an expansion, and un- I'm sure it's unprecedented. I haven't double checked, but it has to be unprecedented in the modern era to have low such low interest rates this far into an expansion. And when interest rates do eventually go up, and we have every one percent that the interest rate goes up when you have a debt that's more than the productivity of the country. Every 1% is 1% right off the top of the productivity of this country. I mean, that's how much it's going to cost. So you have $23 trillion and you have a a 10% interest rate, which you're not going to have, but you have a 5% interest rate, which is kind of normal. That's a trillion dollars just in interest. So I don't see how we're going to get out of it. This these spending bills, this is what shuts down the government is that and and the big problem with Obama was that we could not the Republicans wouldn't sign off on his budget. He wouldn't sign off on theirs. So they had they finally compromised on the sequester, which was capping spending. And it took the Republicans to bring in Trump and throw that out the window. So now these spending bills are hundred one point four trillion dollars in total. It's a trillion dollars in deficits for the foreseeable future. And there were a few little interesting things in there. One is that the wall funding stayed the same, a mere $1.4 billion. 
So Trump is reallocating other stuff to it, but he went he went to the mat on this previously. So I don't know why this is the time he decides that everything's hunky dory when the Democrats are truly out to get him. Then uh, it also has something that people hadn't noticed. It raises the tobacco age to 21. Did you catch that, Binkley? Did you notice that? I did see that. Yeah, that was in the spending bill. That was not a separate thing. And uh, so this is in response to the underage bootleg vaping illnesses. So how do you think that this will help underage bootleg vaping sicknesses? Oh, I mean, they'll obviously stop it because it's illegal, right? That prevents all people from breaking laws. Right. I mean, that's the, the first pass. But if you actually even deep dig a little deeper, you'll realize that if the bootlegging is the problem, making the legal stuff inaccessible will increase the instance of bootlegging. So say it was 18. Say the law was the, the age was 18. So only people under 18 would be bootlegging because everybody else can just buy it. Yeah. So now it's 21. So now everyone between 18 and 21 will bootleg because they can't buy it. And the epidemic they were talking about was high schoolers anyway, who most of whom are under 18. Underage already. But the also, I object to the fact that the federal government is making laws like this. It is strictly a Tenth Amendment thing. And the way drinking age went up to 21 was they tied it to the interstate freeway maintenance funds. So, who you know, you, you sell your soul when you take that federal money. You really, really do. I yeah. mean... They shouldn't do that. Not to mention those highways bring foreign subsidize the transportation of foreign goods into your town to compete with you. So it's not it's not free trade. It's subsidized. They're taking all the money and they're subsidizing infrastructure, which facilitates outside access to you that that they would not that you would at least have a hometown advantage for your factory or your farm if this completely removed entity didn't steal everybody's money and build a road right to your thing and it's just like oh where did that container truck full of cheap produce come from it's like oh well transportation is now free so sorry it's just it's just just trying to inject a few libertarian principles well they slide things in on the back of those other bills all the time and because there are thousands of pages you never read them you never know about them until it's too late Yes, and these things are all in there. Most of it is in these things, and one of them is uh, they are allocating. And this is this is a break from a decades-old moratorium on this stuff. They're giving the CDC and the National Institute of Health twenty-five million dollars to study gun violence. Yes, and we were never that was a that was a hard one thing. Republicans did not want that or whatever Republican voters, gun rights advocates did not want that, especially the, their worst nightmare came true in that they're giving the money not to the gun owners of America to do studies, but to U.S. federal government entities. So if the Second Amendment is there to protect us from an overreaching federal government and all these studies are going to tell us that the Second Amendment is an intolerable public health risk. It would have a lot more plausibility if yeah. it, was, it was some – at least there were balancing studies. At least you could give the gun owners of America the money and the access, not just the money, but it's the fact that they're going to be able to conduct these experiments, which perhaps there are – they need some kind of access to universities and stuff. Yeah, it's like $25 million to find a predetermined outcome. 
to do research to support a predetermined outcome. Yes, and actually that reminds me of a Wall Street Journal article I read, it was probably a couple of years ago, where the CDC was busted for asking, I think it was Seagram's or some liquor company, they asked them to do a study proving that liquor was not bad for you. <laughs> right? So why would the CDC, and my, the only plausible explanation in my mind is that whoever funneled the CDC money to Seagram's was personally getting a kickback. Like that's, I don't know, but like, I can't think of any other reason. And the guy's explanation was, well, if you know what the answer is, you might as well get the person whose interests are aligned with you. It's like, well, why are you doing the study if you know what the answer is? Yeah, exactly. It was so screwy, but yes. So I assume that they know what the answer is before they put the money into it. It's, it's a little messed up, but that I think are all those health studies are conducted by people in industry and they of course cannot be they they just it's not even that they screw up the studies that they're only going to give you the answers to the studies that you know then they bury the ones that they don't like so assuming yeah. that's where pe- the incentives are some create their own academic institutes or their own scientific institutes oh, yes. and create trump studies no what was it like the trump golfing award that trump won every year yeah yeah <laughs> The Rockefeller Foundation does a lot of it. They just create a scientific oh, really? institute and then, yeah. Oh, that's interesting because they seem so above board, but they're not. Uh, okay, so we can do a few more calls, and there's just a couple more things in this spending bill. But then I know everybody is waiting for – I've gotten so many tweets and requests to, like, dig into the USMCA that I will do it next to the point where you can uh, give it – you're going to want to share it with friends when we put it up on – podcast all right so give me a call if you want 800 wsb talk or you can tweet at me at monica perez show monica perez it's like everything i've been brought to believe was all made of bull on 95.5 wsb atlantis news and talk so a couple more things that are in this spending bill and then i'm going to go to some calls uh just two really one is that they're allocating $425 million to election security, and it goes to the states. It doesn't have a lot of strings attached, but they're mostly using it for cybersecurity, for new equipment, for voter registration revamps, for election audits, and for communications, which I don't know exactly what that means. But there's some big money for that, and I just fear that elections are headed to be federalized, and then it's not it's not who you vote for, it's who counts the votes and it's going to be from the big cities. And when you make the New York and L.A. not be able to control their own social services by making their state and local taxes not tax deductible, when they take complete control over the country, their systems will be federal. That salt tax is that lack of a deduction for salt taxes is people think it's no big deal. I think it's a very bad sign. Also, uh, this as far as this spending bill might affect your 401k and that it encourages annuities in there. And also it accelerates how fast you have to liquidate if you inherit a 401k. So that's it. That's the meat of the matter. I don't usually go into policy, but nobody else is talking about it. <laughs> they passed a lot of stuff while a we've been lot, focused on impeachment. A lot of stuff. You should go. What I did was I went to the congressional like vote roll call. And it shows every day all the things they vote on. And I was looking at it, and so much of it was like overwhelming. Like, vote, everybody voted for this. A few people, and it's like, those are the ones I looked at. I was like, that's where the bad stuff is. So much agreement going on, yet 
publicly so much disagreement. Yeah, because the only thing they agree on is when something is in the liberal fascist center, when something is both warfare and welfare. We can have everything. Nobody ever comes together for what's neither. <laughs> anyway, but I have a couple of calls, and I want to get to both of them before the break. So let me go to Larry. Larry, you're on with Monica. Yeah, Monica, you asked me before what the Democrats uh, are causing problems in the United States. And my main thing is this, uh, how much could the United States, uh, uh, how much better off would they be with $262 billion? Uh, would that help uh, the American economy? What do you mean? What, well, what is that? in other words, Trump asked Pelosi for $5 billion for the southern border wall. And now it's costing, uh, if you go to uh, One American News, they're showing every day how much it's costing because we have uh, the people in the country that shouldn't be here. It's costing $262 billion. That's and a really billion- hard number to get to, though. It's very difficult. I mean, even telling how many immigrants are, I mean, to, to get yeah. down to the two, like 262, you know what I'm saying? I'd have to yeah, really Monica, one, dig one in. last point. Yeah, go, go. go for it. Go for it. Go for one it. last point. Yeah. Uh, they're saying that Trump tried to enrich himself. Now, he's a billionaire and he gives away his salary every year. Uh, he doesn't take a salary. Now, how is he trying to enrich himself uh, with this fiasco that just happened, uh, you know, uh, that they're trying to that they try to impeach her over with that telephone call to the yeah, I don't I don't believe for a minute that he is trying to enrich himself with that phone call at all. What I what I think they should have focused on, if that's what they cared about, was that his I think that his absolute number one asset. I really don't think he was a billionaire. Maybe still isn't. I read a book by Tim O'Brien called Trump Nation, I think. And the author accused Trump of not being as rich as he said he was. And uh, Trump sued him. But dropped the suit and i and i think for good reason anyway but he got this washington dc post office a 99 year lease for this hotel that is just prints money and it is illegal for an elected official to own that lease so they could get into that uh, i don't understand why they don't get into the real meaty stuff that's papered up but yes i i'm not accusing him of self enrichment they shouldn't let him get away with it yet they do why? Because they want this sideshow. They want it to be ambiguous so it goes on forever. And I think that 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 makes me believe that what's going on is a little higher level than all of this, that it's really not about partisan bickering. I want to get Reggie in just a real quick one. Hey, Reggie, what you got? I got I got that one question for you. Do you think that the mainstream mainstream media, news media, has what we like to call referred to as Trump derangement syndrome? Or is it just me? I think they absolutely do. I hate to say that, but I think a third of the people have Trump derangement syndrome. A third of the people are just uh, MAGA do or die. And then the people in the middle might actually take back the control of this election. And the real question is, do they like what the Democrats are doing or do they not like it? Could backfire. Right after the break, USMCA, this is Monica Perez. Mind. 
This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. And the true threat to our liberty of the week, year, decade, century, and millennium is this U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. It's replacing NAFTA, and it is very similar to the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership, that everybody praised Trump for saying he was getting rid of it, he didn't want any part of it. And I did say at the time, hey, man, you got to watch out what this stuff is going to be replaced with. Now, I thought there was two possibilities. One was that we really were turning inward on a lot of these things so that we could be prepared for a big war, or that it was a bait and switch and that that the only it was that hashtag it will take a Republican. It's only that or what I coined to be the contrary law of democracy, where only your side can bring you what you don't want because you would put up too much resistance if somebody else were bringing it to you. So if Obama is trying to bring a TPP, that's not going to work. But for Trump to do something very similar, and I'm going to lay out how they're similar and what's not OK about it, that that's doesn't meet any resistance. And as a matter of fact, it passed this week in the House 385 to 41, almost 193 Democrats and 192 Republicans voted in favor of it. I applaud the Republicans who didn't. Thomas Massey, uh, there was another guy who I never heard of before, Ted Yoho or something. Anyway, and then who I will keep an eye on. No short shift intended. And then Justin Amash, who became an independent and is kind of has Trump derangement syndrome, I guess, what Reggie would have said. But uh, other than that, he's always rock solid. So he also voted against the USMCA. So I applaud those guys. But it's going to the Senate. It is expected to sail through the Senate and right after the break. If there's any way to, to stop it, I would, if anybody out there is an activist, understands how to do it, wants to get behind leading the charge, I'll, I'll do what I can. I'll certainly tell people about it, about your efforts. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Binkley, before we get into that, I don't want to exhaust people with too much policy. This is pretty interesting, though. This isn't just like one line item. This is bigger picture stuff. Let's uh, open it up to some tweets. You got a couple of tweets? I do. I have one from Nationalist. He says, Trump threw out their brand of globalism. But if you think about it, he's talking about the USMCA. He says, but if you think about it... uh, I wouldn't put it past Trump to create a global system where we are in control of it and let others join it. That's very interesting. That tweet has two parts. One is that he threw out their brand of globalism. Now, that's the lie. That's what Wall Street Journal says. That was the that was an article this week. It said trade policy breaks with the past. I knew that was baloney because I had just read an extensive or comprehensive review of the USMCA compared with the TPP. It was from Ottawa Law School, professor from Ottawa Law School. And he actually asks the question, like the purpose of his essay, because he wanted to call Trump's BS. You know, he doesn't like Trump. So he said, is this really a break from the past? And he and he first he lays out all the similarities it has with the TPP which is, as I said earlier, 57% of the text, 95% of the chapters, 72% of the articles in those chapters, straight out of the TPP. So it's clearly a, a carbon copy of the TPP, practically. 
But he also, this professor, addresses kind of the more qualitative question, is this a continuation of the establishment model, which he defines as you maximize trade, you maximize the actual benefits of trade to the the country, and then you take that surplus and you redistribute it internally. It's like real socialism, I guess. So that's the kind of Obama model. And the Trump model supposedly is cut deals to keep jobs at home so that people have more jobs and it's not about uh, any kind of big picture net benefit that it's really a zero-sum game and we're just going to keep some for ourselves. So this guy goes through line by line. I mean, it's, I don't know how many pages, at least 20 or 30 pages, and says this is clearly a continuation of our existing trade regime. And I'm not sure I got out of his thing, but I've, I've read certain articles of it that illuminate kind of how this is a globalist structure. So the second part of that tweet was, this is, I wouldn't put it past Trump to set up a global structure that, quote, we then control. Who is we? Because Trump will be gone. And I mean, that's like when Obama created his kingdom. The, the Democrats should have thought, well, what if a Republican gets in there? And now, instead of calling for restoration of the 10th Amendment, they're, they're probably really in their hearts want more globalism, which is why the mayors kind of go to these international conferences now. And I mean, it's, it's, you, you can't do that. And in Trump's trade representative, who is in charge of this, Robert Lighthizer, is a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. That is the globalist organization. I can't believe they haven't like changed their name or dissolved and reinvented itself. It is globalism. That's what it is. That's what it's there for. And one of their guys, I didn't even realize this guy was a CFR guy. Not only is he a CFR guy, this article that I was reading about it, I was like, oh, this guy sounds like a CFR guy. So I was, I, I was like, where? Let me, let me see if he's in the CFR. So I, I typed in his name, Frazier Cameron. And not only is he in the CFR, the article I was reading was originally published on the CFR website. <laughs> and, and the guy says that what you what that the European this is a 20, 2010 article, the European Union is a model for regional integration. And he says to do to get to this like kind of world. A, a re, so the big picture idea is they create regional trade blocks and then they stitch them all together and then you have. A de facto world government, which doesn't even necessarily have to have a constitution or anything, if you have no ability to function economically outside their economic system, I mean, with credit scores and cashless society and getting people out of not being able to use land, that's a U.S. That's a U.N. thing. This Habitat One was like you can have everything but land. You can have private property, but nobody has access to kind of self-sustaining land. And he said... First, you start with political reconciliation, if necessary, which is not necessary here. A free trade area is next, then a customs union, then a single market, then a single currency, then a common passport area, and finally, common foreign policy. So these are the stepping stones, and we're walking down that road. And it's not for some Trump dynasty. It's for for the CFR. That's what it's going to be. So what – and – and it seems to me that they absolutely wanted to get this thing in without anybody noticing. Pelosi released this, her announcement that they had reached a deal on this within two hours of releasing the articles of impeachment to the public. 
And our guy, Lighthizer, was in Mexico City at that moment, pen in hand with the representative from Canada and the president of Mexico. And they signed it the same day that Pelosi was like, after a year of wrangling, we're finally made this deal and Lighthizer was like it's a miracle that we got this bipartisan deal and I was like really you know what's a real miracle is that you were sitting there with a pen in your hand in Mexico with the Canadian chick (laughs) and you guys are all you know wow wow who would have known this miracle would come at this moment and that we'd be sitting here weird anyway and it's not a free trade agreement it's a thousand pages that is a highly controlled trade agreement and uh, one of the there's four really noteworthy chapters in it, and one of them I want to hit first because it's so telling about what's coming now. The biggest stumbling point Pelosi said, or was reported that Pelosi said from her office, was that they didn't want the USMCA to lock in Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. So we have this Communications Decency Act here. Section 230 is considered the 26 words that created the internet. It's it's this, no provider or user, these are the 26 words, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So that if you have a, a platform, you're not responsible for the words that people put out on that platform. And that way, internet service providers could exist and we could populate that without us worrying about liability. So she did not want that anywhere near the USMCA because she's trying to get that changed here because they say that words are dangerous and we need to rein them back in now. And I've always said that limited hangout, internet was limited hangout and they've got to claw it back. So so they modified it a bit in the USMCA. So they said, yes, you don't have liability, but you also don't have liability for censorship. They don't have liability for censorship. So these social media platforms or any kind of internet service provider can, at its own whim, decide what what gets suppressed and what doesn't. Now, that might be okay if it was a truly private enterprise acting in good faith. But, Binkley, you are going to show us through clips that that that's not how it works, that these organizations are pressured by the government to do the government's bidding and censorship because the government can't do it itself. So we're going to play some. Let's take a quick break and then we're going to dive into a couple of very telling clips that you have. And then I'll tell you the other three issues with the USMCA to chew on and hopefully get you to think about whether you want to give a call to your senator or not. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that... I don't even know about, you know. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. As much as I am very happy with the holiday season, I do feel like they slipped this policy stuff in and we have got to address it. But the USMCA has something that people find very interesting. It's the Section 230, the 26 words that created the Internet of our Communications Decency Act. And... A lot of lawmakers are trying to get it repealed at home so that, sir, so that basically anyone who facilitates what you post is liable for the content. And that will really shut down diversity of opinion. And then you're just going to have your entire Twitter feed will be blue check marks. I mean, that's it. If you don't know what that means, it means all your news, all of it is going to come from the big six. So the big six, there's big, six companies that own like 95% of the media in this country or at least 80%. Well, it would be. And you know what, Binkley, you were telling me about that Google News initiative. 
and Facebook and all there's a lot of stuff going on right now that basically will make sure that all of our news comes from a, a source that is that has been given the imprimatur of authority and they probably will have a liability shield. Yeah, it's all about creating these authoritative sources, whether it's through you have to be the one who the only one who can uh, determine if something's a deep fake or whether you're uh, your sources have been vetted. They're trying to eliminate all the kind of independent news. Yeah, and it'll be like medical stuff where the only the only way you can get, I think, if I understand it correctly, medical malpractice is basically that your doctor did something other than what is recommended by the industry as a whole. So it has nothing to do with his intentions, his information, whether it's uh, it was a valid thing like a normal tort would be. It's about did he implement what the authorities told him to implement and if he didn't you can sue him so i think it's like that i uh you had played it this completely reminded me of a couple of clips that you had played for me on our podcast propaganda report and i wanted you to i don't even i don't even remember what it was yet so this is at cfr who is it and then play it clip nine who is it this is Richard Stingle, who he used to work for the the State Department, and he's the former editor of Time Magazine, and he famously, on the internet anyway, promoted the use of propaganda a few years ago. And this um, is him talking to the CFR? Yes. Or at the CFR? This is him at a CFR panel on how to stop the tide of global disinformation. All right, let's hear it. Clip nine. All right. Act, which basically gives all of these companies zero liability for the content that they publish because it's third-party content. Now, when it was written, when you write a law to incentivize some behavior, like you write a law saying, hey, uh, we need to have more people go to Staten Island. Let's, you know, I'm going to create a law where you can build a bridge, you can have a toll for it for 10 years, but then you change the law. The law from 1996 did incentivize this in a massive way, in a way that's unintendedly created all of this other stuff needs to be changed now. These platforms need to make a good faith effort to do that. I think that's completely wrong. What he's talking about is it's Amazon has a similar problem. Are they responsible for hovercrafts blowing up? And the parallel has been drawn. So is Amazon a retailer or is it a mall? So if you bought something at Spencer's at the mall is the mall responsible for damages you incur. It would be very difficult to hold the mall responsible for every trinket sold in every one of their malls, you know? So you don't do it that way. And the consumers understand that. And besides buyer beware. I mean, they have really worked hard to say, to try to demonstrate that words are actions, that words cause real harm. And then they perhaps even promote there are some cases where i believe the pulse nightclub shooting where the guy had been taken in by the fbi his father was photographed in the oval office at one point or in the white house that it may be that they they let these things happen on purpose so they can demonstrate that bad things can happen on the internet and real people get hurt. And my argument is, even if they do want to monitor that stuff and surveil it and stop it, the way the surveillance state works, they have total control. Try, I mean, I'm not suggesting you try to do it, but if no one listening to me would have the nerve, and I don't think you should, of testing the limits of where, of where 
how much you could say jokingly or whatever. I mean, look at the case of Justin Carter. He said something stupid uh, regarding like a video game, which which saw some mom in Canada thought was real, but he immediately wrote JK. He was in jail for a long time. For years, he's been waiting for a trial. Look up Justin Carter. They are all over you. You don't need to have what's called prior restraint. That is unconstitutional. We're going to play a little follow-up on that after the break, and then I'll tell you the other three things that I worry about with the USMCA. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at 95.5 WSB. Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know. This aggression will not stand, man. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. We have to dig into this USMCA thing. They are going to pass it in the Senate. They already passed it overwhelmingly, bipartisanly in Congress, and they're going to pass it probably. I wouldn't be surprised if Senate passes it the day they get back from break. So if you want to... Register your protest. Now's the time. But they're slipping it in like they did the Fed on Christmas Eve in 1913, (laughs) I think. Anyway, so one thing. So I want to tell you the four articles. If you're going to read anything, the four chapters you should read, 19, 27, 30, and 32. 19 is this where they protect the content providers on the Internet from liability for what's said, but they also protect them from liability for censoring what's said. So and the censorship is they're allowed to do it at their own discretion. Now, if it was a private platform, I'd be fine with that. But it's the way they've been funded in the past that they are I consider to be that we own them, that I think that the taxpayer has contributed so much to that technology that we should consider it a public asset. I don't believe in public assets, but they took the money, they built it and we should have access to it. Certainly, it should be treated like many private places are treated as far as you can't restrict free speech under certain circumstances in private establishments. So they then say that these guys can use their own discretion to censor. But at the same time, they look at the censor, they behind the scenes try to encourage these guys to do what they want censorship wise. And I have a passage from the USMCA that talks about doing just that. And Binkley here has a clip from a CFR. I think this was the same guy. We played a clip before the break from clip nine. And it's again, this Richard Stengel, who is, I think we could call him a paid propagandist reporting to the CFR on how to, how to get what they want done, which is censorship and propaganda. Mm-hmm. which he has actually owned. He has actually said propaganda is not a bad thing. Yeah. And boy, I get trolled for that. It's not trolled when you are people are legitimately objecting to something really awful that you're saying. <laughs> trolled is what you do when you pay people to <laughs> harass me. Anyway, so so what is this now? This is this is this year, right? This yeah, is this is a couple of weeks ago. Oh, all right. Great. Interesting. All right. So play uh, clip 11, please. Platforms have their own constitutions. They're called terms of service agreements. They, are not, they don't have to abide by the First Amendment as private companies. Those need to be much stricter about content closer to what the, what the EU regards as hate speech and other, uh, other uh, countries do. There's a phrase called dangerous speech, which is speech that indirectly leads to violence. I think we have to be stricter about that. And, and, I, and, 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 and the platforms can do that because they are private entities. So the American Revolution was 
was violence instigated by dangerous speech, just so you know. And it was totally justified because, assuming the story is true, because it was in retaliation for an oppressive government that stepped outside the lines. And that's why they enshrined the First Amendment for us. And even didn't Thomas Jefferson say that the the soil should run red with the blood of of revolutionists and tyrants every yeah. 20 years? Yeah. <laughs> that's probably what it would have taken. But they're talking about he is taught. First of all, the terms of service agreements that he's talking about, I got taken down from WordPress and I got one of my videos taken down from YouTube and it was just a matter of time. So I kind of stopped putting political stuff up there. I think Twitter just changed the term of service. I expect that I'll probably get booted from that, too. But they don't tell you why the terms of service don't matter. I didn't violate the terms of service. They don't tell you why you can't appeal it. They say that you can. They say that they'll respond. They do not respond. So. It doesn't matter. They're not constitutions. They're BS. And they this guy clearly is telling them what to do with them. He's saying that he wants to rewrite their constitutions. Whatever quid pro quo is at work behind the scenes, those guys follow their orders. That's why I always think that Travis Kalanick from Uber got pushed out because he wouldn't cooperate with the authorities on using Uber for surveillance. And they were like, what do you think we put you here for, buddy? Out. You know, he thinks he's the guy, but he never would have gotten anywhere if the laws did not yield for Uber to take the place of the taxi monopoly. So there's always something. You got to pay the piper. Yeah. And he's also talking about adhering to the EU standards. Yes. It's all about globalization. It's all about regularization. And that is what these these regional trade deals do. They they it's what Rosa Quar said in the behind the green mask that they have to make all the systems regular so they can stitch the regulated like similar to each other, work the same way so they can stitch them up and control them centrally from afar. And they can't do that if they have to figure out different systems. So that's why they want they probably don't even care so much what the system does look like. They'd rather have a uniform system. But they also would love to just have it highly controlled. And since they're running the show and nobody seems to notice, I think they are able to get the way they want. But just one little tidbit I didn't see anybody else highlight, but I found it in the USMCA. It said that they are uh, one of the parties to the agreement, Mexico, Canada, the U.S., may adopt or maintain measures to encourage company management to make statements in their annual reports or otherwise publicly disclose their internal controls. And it goes on and on to say how they they should publicly denounce corruption and they should talk about how they're attacking corruption. And that all sounds good. But the reality is, so this is all about, it says the, the it's Article 27.5. It's in the anti-corruption section. And it's the and I think the anti-corruption actions around the world are about targeting specific people. Let's just say everyone's corrupt. Let's say all people in power are corrupt. I mean, let's just say that absolute power corrupts and power corrupts. So you could pretty much target whoever you wanted. And they who. They, so that's why I feel like this anti-corruption witch hunt stuff is all about just targeting the people you want out and leaving in place the people you're fine with. So I'm not a fan of this globally controlled, quote, anti-corruption, renegade pirate force where the feds team up with George Soros and decide who's corrupt and then forfeit their take their assets or whatever it is that they do in each particular case. And this is talking about getting it says participation of private sector and society. It is talking in the USMCA about how. You co-opt the private sector to do your bidding. And when they say just encourage them to do it, why wouldn't they say, screw you? Like, why wouldn't they say that? You know, there's an answer. They wouldn't say that because 
You don't get to say that. Yeah. They get to say that, <laughs> you know? So that's why when that guy says they need to crack down on their terms of service, he means it. Yeah, it's the same type of pressure campaign that was put on the media prior to World War I. Uh, like, give me an example. What do you mean? The example was that they were going to – that Germany was going to be the enemy, and they these propagandists, the uh, Committee oh. on Public Information, went out and they pre- – they, same type of language, yeah. same type of approach. There was a lot of that in those other clips that you played for us on that episode. I think it was episode 186 of the Propaganda Report. It's, it's – could easily be a portent, a harbinger. Of yeah, war. there you go. So there's two other chapters here. One is the the one that these are the really where the rubber hits the road, in my opinion, about this thing being a truly globalist organization. One is in chapter thirty, they establish a free trade commission. This this also reminds me of that North North American Union document of William Weld and Heidi Cruz. They wrote for the CFR about how the North American Union would work. This is clearly part of that. And Lighthizer, who's behind this and in front of it, is a CFR guy. So these names. Why? Lighthizer. Well, that's also... his name. <laughs> <laughs> and Cruz and Weld. You could maybe read stuff into them, but they're the real names. So here's this this establishment of the Free Trade Commission. It seems to, as I read in one analysis of it, make this thing a living document. So it it puts in rules of procedure and dispute resolution, proposals to amend or modify the agreement itself, and then it tell it it uh, it it throws in there. It can adjust tariff preferential levels, the rule of origin, which was a hard one thing by Trump. Like this is his like we this is for the American worker that is specifically named as something this free trade commission can change without going back to the parties. So it's so whatever is in there now, I'm not sure you can count on kind of any of it being immutable. So the deal that you signed on to doesn't mean anything if the if the new entity now can make its own rules and change the terms of the agreement. So they can change the whole thing. It's possible. I mean, I I, I don't. If you just, I'm not sure you can always just read this stuff on its face, but an ana- but it looks like that. And an analysis I read about it said that. Uh, I think it was the New American, the New American. I think you know. I I don't know what to think of that. I have questions about that publication, but it does have some good stuff on anti-globalism. So that's the one thing. That's chapter 30. Chapter 32, which I think is the tell of how this is purely globalistic. And if you will recall, and I'm sure you will because I've said it a few times, that the I predicted that the delay in coming up with an agreement with China was that they wanted to see the final terms of the USMCA. And I didn't think it would be like within days, but actually it was within days when they said, "Okay, the USMCA is now settled. We know what we're doing. Then within a couple of days, they said, "Okay, this is what the China deal is going to look like. And in the Wall Street Journal, it does say that the USMCA is a template for future deals like around the world. Well, and since it was based on the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership, I assume that that is uh, is true. But there's this chapter 32 says it's that non-market If you make an agreement, a unilateral agreement with a non-market country, so if the U.S. makes an agreement with China, that can get the United States kicked out of this USMCA. So what does that mean? 
it would not be cool to have such a massive thousand page law that regulates every bit of trade. A lot of industries depend on it. I mean, it's digital, it's services, it's farming, it's machinery, it's labor, it's all that stuff. You sign on to this, people spend billions, if if not trillions, in reliance on it. You can't just get kicked out. I believe, now I don't know where the actual passage, I could not find the passage, so I'm not positive, but I think the remedy is that you that the other two guys... They can either approve it, kick you out, or possibly ask for the same terms as you got. So if if we get a deal with China and then Mexico and Canada say, we're kicking you out unless you can get China to sign on to that deal with us, China knows that already. Like today, yesterday, they know that already. So it's they ha- everyone has to be addressing that question right now. So why would you even go forward with a free trade agreement? unilaterally without understanding that it is going to plug in somehow with the USMCA. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but that's probably the goal. And I look to the same kind of thing for Brexit. I could not figure out if Brexit was for real or what. I was pretty confident that that Rupert Murdoch was not promoting Brexit because he's against globalism. I just, that's that UK, US, Australian multi you know media oligarch is not against globalism so he kind of he promoted brexit and here it it does appear to be coming and my only thought on that is that that they are going to make a deal with us that's going to plug in and then maybe bridge with europe i don't know but i feel like that's where it's a globalist thing where all the systems all the regions kind of consolidate among themselves and then you just have those zippers along the ocean that just zip right up and then you have actual globalism that's kind of similar to the tweet from earlier saying that trump would break it up and then kind of start a globalism that we control that's what i'm saying but yeah. we're not controlling it it's right. the cfr exactly. that's controlling it they're writing it they're promoting it they're planning it they write articles of how this is the first step in it and what is the end game it's not i mean trump will be dead by the time who's it going to be ivanka and even then who runs her it just doesn't make sense yeah. so so we'll see. Anyway, I'm happy to get reactions or we can just kind of tie it up in a bow <laughs> for this season. Right after the break, this is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. You maniac! You blow it up! On 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. We are wrapping it up our last show before Christmas. I, As a mom, I find myself getting very busy not super stressed out, but not as like just really being able to enjoy the what should be kind of a break. But anyway, I do really have the Christmas spirit. And as my present to you, I am going to wrap up in a bow the USMCA issues because so many people have tweeted at me and asked me, like, what's wrong with it? Nobody can put their finger on what's wrong with it. So I'm just going to direct you to four things. Article 19 gives liability protection to Internet providers for arbitrary censorship, which I wouldn't even care about, except for that we also have evidence that behind the scenes, even in the USMCA, they are not above or below trying to influence or nudge private or quasi-private entities to 
to saying what they want through propaganda, censorship. That's what they do. So that's uh, a backdoor to subverting the First Amendment. Article 27 kind of lays out, shows you that they are intending to nudge private sector to promote their agenda. Well, it looks like a fine agenda in Article 27, but it just shows you that that's what they're doing. You could also go back and look at the North American Union document that William Weld and Heidi Cruz signed. That'll tell you kind of maybe a more robust version of where this is headed. And and how do I know that it's going to be headed to a more robust version? Because in Article 30, it talks about how it establishes a free trade commission, and that commission has some power, if not total power, to change this document and to to modify or set uh, dispute resolution rules. And that's actually very important, because if you can't use your laws to resolve disputes, you might have no power against a global corporation, if you've ever been uh, subject to an arbitration clause, you might find that a company that uses arbitration a lot, those arbitration companies quite often, I hate to say it, but are captive to the corporations. I mean, I've, I've seen it where the corporation always wins, always. So if you have this commission and there's regulatory capture so that the global transnational corporations have all the power, you as an entrepreneur won't have any power. That is another bit of globalism keeps us from having, you know, then everybody is just a wage slave or whatever. And then the final thing, chapter 32, is about non-market trade agreements. So Trump wants you to think that he's going out cutting all all these one-off deals, but those one-off deals will blow up this deal. And I don't think that's the plan. So... This isn't about, well, he had to compromise. This is a global globalist extension of past U.S. trade direction. It is, in some respects, a mirror image of TPP. And with that, I will say Merry Christmas. Thank you for being here. And we will be back basically uh, the next couple of Saturdays from 3 to 6. And we also have a show on New Year's Eve which I hope to uh, make very fun and lighthearted. Thank you very much. This is Monica Perez.